It is another edition of the Matt Berry Show here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Hopefully everyone's enjoyed this, this week and a half off since Selection Day. And we got a special guest today, Tom Luganbill, our director of high school scouting uh, for ESPN. And I wanted to bring Lugs on because this is a time in college football unlike anything we've ever seen, Lugs. And the early <laughs> signing period, December 20th, so we're under a week away. Just give give the people kind of the climate that we're in right now with college football high school recruiting. Well, obviously, some of the most transformative things that we've seen ever in college athletics are related to the transfer portal. And the transfer portal has a trickle-down effect. And I think the landscape that we're in right now, more so than I've seen over the last 19 years, Matt, is that out of the ESPN 300, which is our rankings, now we actually rank about 2,500 kids, about 2,700 kids will sign in any given class between the yeah. two periods. But So if you take the top 300, there are only 17 kids that have yet to make a verbal commitment. 17, that's it. So what's happening is word's getting around, and the kids are starting to figure out not to toy with a scholarship offer because it can ah. be pulled right out from underneath you. Right. And so they're realizing, and if you go back to the first cycle of the transfer portal, the one thing that we noticed was the biggest impact hit at the junior college ranks. All right. So this would have been, oh, 2020, 2021, yeah. around there or so. And on average, you'd have about 300 Juco kids sign in a class. The very next cycle, there was 100. So 200 scholarships that would have normally gone to the junior college ranks now went to a player that was in the transfer portal that was a current college player. And now that's trickling down to the high school ranks. There's only so many scholarships. I think that's the one thing in all of this that gets glossed over is, you know, we run the numbers. I, I think the number right now, I looked at it yesterday morning, is around 1,600 kids in the transfer portal, over 100 scholarship quarterbacks. Nobody's doing the math, Matt. Like, there's not enough scholarships. Like, everybody's jumping into this portal. Where are you going to go? I would love to look into the next four months yep. and take all of those players in the portal right now and say, where are you? Like, are you now a walk-on? Have you left the sport? Were you able to find a landing spot? And there, there will be many that will. But if you consider that and you look at it from the high school lens, these kids are starting to figure out that I could easily be replaced before I ever even get to college by a player in the transfer portal. Yeah, because a couple of examples, I was thinking about it last night. I mean, Malik Murphy hops in. Like Malik Murphy, Texas, started two games, two or three yep. games, very pivotal for Texas this year when Quinn Ewers was hurt. If I'm a coach, I'm going for Malik Murphy now before I even think about the high school kid anymore. And, and yeah. it, it's, it's a dangerous – because there's only so many Dylan Rayolas, right? Right. Like there's yeah. only there's only so many top five quarterbacks in the country, the Arch Mannings, some of the big-time – Caleb Williams, yeah. Exactly. So now you've got a guy like Malik. We've seen uh, – I'm drawing a blank on his name. So Kyle McCord, you see all these guys that sure. are – Dylan Gabriel. Kyle Van Dyke. Why are you, why are you taking, taking a high school kid? Yeah, and especially if that transfer portal quarterback has two things in his favor. A large sample size of production. He's played a lot. And more than one year of eligibility. Because I think if you continue to cast your line in the transfer portal at the quarterback spot, 
eventually you are going to crush your credibility recruiting quarterbacks at the high school level because they're constantly going to fear that each and every year we're going to go out and get a, a transfer portal guy. And so I think it, the player, it's really important if you're going to be fishing in those waters that the, that player that you're going after has multiple years of eligibility. And not all of them are going to. You know, a, a Dylan Gabriel is a bridge gap guy right now for Oregon, and that's great for, for them. Um, but you like there to be multiple years, and that's where Malik Murphy – is really attractive, right? He's got he's got enough of a sample size, and he's got multiple years to play, and he's played major college football, and you've seen it. You've watched it. Everything else at the high school level right now, Matt, is a projection, and it's yeah. maybe the most difficult projection of any position of any sport at this level. And look at the NFL level. Look at the draft. Like, look at how many busts there are. The NFL misses on 50% of their first-round draft choices. Imagine having to make that projection on a 15 or 16 year old and everybody's expecting you to be right all the time. You're not. Mm -hmm. So you're going to gravitate toward that player. That's already played. That's a little bit older. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is fascinating. Some of the talent, talent evaluations these coaches have to do because I sit with them every week as you would do yeah. in production meetings for our games. And they're sitting there like, well, hell I now have to scout my roster, look at the portal mm -hmm. and still high school recruit. I'm not going to yeah. hit on all three of those. And I'll use Notre Dame as a prime example. This is a win now business. Like these coaches yes. know, hell, I get three years now, some less to win. So if I, and I'm not saying that's the case with Marcus Freeman, but look at how he's doing it. Sam Hartman, ready-made starter. Come on in. Riley Leonard, ready-made starter. Come on in. Gone are their days of like a Ron Paulus from Berwick, Pennsylvania, who grew up <laughs> a Notre Dame guy five-star everything coming in and being the chosen one as a true freshman at a college football program. And I, it, it, it's, it's going to start affecting now, I believe the product on the field, because you're not going to have the kid who waited his turn to start. It's, I don't get mine. I'm out. Yes. And the unfortunate part of that, and I tell, I tell uh, kids and coaches and parents this all the time, the unfortunate part of that is everybody wants it yesterday, right? Every, and, and in many instances, everybody wants it handed to them. And mm -hmm. the, the vast number of the players that are in the transfer portal haven't even been on campus for two calendar years. I, they, they haven't battled. They haven't had to fight and scrap and earn their way onto the team. They haven't had to beat somebody out. Um, maybe they, they're there because of name, image, and likeness, so it's a, it's a money play. And you're sitting there and you're looking at them, you're going, well, if you're not playing here, Why? Because if you jump in the portal, if you think it's going to be handed to you somewhere else, it's not. Yeah. So I get the guy that's been that's redshirted. Maybe he's battled through two different calendar years, and he's just he's not climbing the depth chart. His clock's running out. I get that transfer deal. What I don't like is the the true freshman or the guy that's going into his true sophomore year that was a role player and it wasn't easy. And the moment it gets hard, they all leave. So now what you see on these rosters. And I know loyalty is an overly used fairy tale and all this. There is no loyalty, okay? But right. to your point, to your point, like a lot of the guys at Alabama or Georgia are playing with right now, do you want to know why they're there? They want to win a championship. Like they, they want to win a championship. And other guys may go to other places because of the money. And there is no vested interest in saying, right. hey, I want to be the best version of me and I want to win a championship and I want to win a conference championship and my team and this locker room means more than anything in the world. And the portal, because we've created this open door and name, image, and likeness, 
has placed us in this position right now. Back in the look, I don't want to be like old school guy, get off my lawn, but I know <laughs> back back in the day, there was a thing. I, I talked to an eight, we'd be at ACC games towards the end of the year on our Thursday night slate. We were talking to one of the coaches and he told us, he's like, look, people were surprised that we got this player, but he grew up near us yeah. and always wanted to play football here. It didn't matter what else. He just wanted to be a football player here. That yeah. used to be the case. Kids used to grow up saying, you know what? I'm in the greater LA area. I'm going to play football for USC. Yep. I grew up in South Florida. I'm going to go play football for Miami. Like it was just, I grew up in the Rust Belt. I'm going to play for Notre Dame, Ohio yeah. State. That's how it used to be. Now it's like, well, who's going to give me the most? And then who's yeah. going to play me right yeah. away? Because yeah. if that's not the case, it's not, it, sorry. Well, and you got to earn that, right? That's the other part of this equation that people don't talk about. All right, well, who's going to pay me? And then where can I play right away? Well, number one, to play right away, you're going to have to beat somebody else out. And yeah. you're going to have to be really, really good. In order to earn on name, image, and likeness, what's that based off of? Value. Well, how do you create value? By producing, by being a great player. You know, we've all heard the comments that Matt Rule made, uh, I think a little over a week ago, about, you know, the climate and the market and the value and the price of a quarterback, one million, one and a half, two million. I would counter and push back on that, not towards Matt Rule, because I don't think he's necessarily wrong. That might be on the high, high, high end. Yeah. But I was at, at, at ask this question. Of those quarterbacks, there's a lot of starting quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the transfer portal right now. How many of them actually played like a million bucks at the place they were at before? Tyler Van Dyke didn't. I don't even think Cam Ward did, and he's getting some of them. And no, it's disrespect yeah. to Cam. I mean, they started off on fire, but Washington State fizzled at the end. And, yeah. and he turns yeah. the ball over a lot. Yeah. Right. And so, like, you look at these guys and you might say, okay, well, when Riley Leonard's healthy, he's been really, really productive. Okay, great. All right. But you got to stay healthy to stay on the deal on, on the field. Kyle McCord played really, really good. But would you pay Kyle McCord a million dollars? A million dollars. So my whole thing is, who is setting this market? Like, yeah. who's saying that, oh, well, if you're going to go out and get a really, really good court, well, that's fine. But, like, Caleb Williams is a once-in-a-lifetime pie-in-the-sky dude. And he was different because he had already been with Lincoln Riley, already been in that scheme, right? And so his level or opportunity to have success is different than what most guys are. But most guys at the quarterback position aren't playing like a million bucks, not, not in my opinion. No, and we, and we get to the point where we start attaching money to him. People forget Michael Penix Jr. was broken when he transferred to Washington. Oh. Bo Nix was broken when Bro he transferred. Jaden Daniels was horribly misused at Arizona State. Yep. Now his stock was like – and so, yeah, the finished product, but guess what that is? That's coaching and development. Yep, and guess what? They're all six-year guys. No wonder they're playing their best football at this time. I mean, it's it, we don't play with the older guys anymore, right? You're three and out if you're really, really good, and you're gone. And it's the old days of Bill Parcells used to say, I want a guy who started three years in college, completed a minimum of 65% of his passes, has a, a three-to-one touchdown interception ratio, and redshirted. Like, there was criteria for this stuff. Those days are over. But the problem is, is look at the guys who haven't played a lot of college football but left to go to the NFL draft. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, huge risk, right? Boy, he started 13 games, all right? Mark Sanchez, I think, started 18 games. But the guys that have played a lot of football are the I mean, guys Trey that are Lance is another one. Yeah, but you look at Patrick Mahomes, played a lot of football at Texas Tech, didn't have to play right away. All of a sudden, he's older, gets his opportunity. So there's some correlation there that's very, very real. 
what's funny amongst the NFL people when, when I talk to them about this and I, and I looked them with in a, in the straight face, I said, I'm not surprised about Brock Purdy. And they look at me, they go, I'm like, do you know how much football that guy's played? Yep. He's played a ton of football. Now I don't think anyone saw Mr. Irrelevant becoming an MVP candidate like this, but in terms <laughs> of football acumen, dude played a lot of football. And I think that's what we're getting away from. So as we count we down are. now uh, to the early signing period, give me what's out there in the next five or six days that could rock uh, the, the the recruiting classes. I know one of them is Dylan Rayola. Update on yeah. him. But what's out there? That's really the only big what if storyline right now that's surrounding a guy that's committed in the high profile. For the most part, it's been pretty quiet in terms of you know could so and so be thinking about flipping type of talk. We haven't seen anywhere near as much of that. And again, I think that's a bit of a reflection of the fact that these guys know, hey, this is. This, this is where I'm going. I've been committed for a long time. I just need the 20th to get here so I can sign on the dotted line and, and go away. I think the one thing that I always look forward to that I'm curious about is how many scholarships get withheld by my schools for the transfer portal in the spring, spring meaning yeah. that so let's just say they've got the opportunity to bring 26 in, but they only sign 16 or they only sign 17. So when you start to see the numbers for each team, that will come out of next week, those numbers might be a little bit low. And it's not because the team didn't do a good job. It's not because they didn't meet their needs. It's because they're withholding their full slot of scholarships and they're going to try to look to improve if they can somewhere um, in, in the next calendar year. I think that um, as far as the class is concerned, it's a really, really good wide receiver class. We just had a reclassification in Ryan Williams from the 2025 class to the 2024 class. Jeremiah Smith, JoJo Trader, Cameron Coleman, all top 10 guys overall, which is usually rare for us because receivers are, you know, they're growing on trees or everywhere. But I think that's a strong group. I think the defensive line is a really strong group. Four or five guys, David Stone, the Oklahoma commit. Um, Williams, uh, Winery, who's committed to Missouri. Missouri, by the way, and if you're going to look for maybe a story and why Missouri has gotten to this point, from the 2022, 2023, and 2024 class, for whatever reason, the state of Missouri's had the strongest group of high-level players it's had over the last 20 years. Really? And yes, if for whatever re reason, you know, like the Luther Burdens of the world and and uh, Williams, uh, Winery, the defensive end, like you don't generally see that out of the state of Missouri. And Missouri's done a really good job of keeping those kids at home, which has completely bolstered their roster uh, pretty significantly. So I think that's that's an area that's kind of been interesting when we look at pockets of of, of talent pools. And, and things of that nature, but kind of quiet on the front, man. And, and, you know, and you remember this, Matt, we used to have the 10, 11, 12 hour signing day show. And then we go to two signing periods and it becomes much more minimized, but we would still always have like probably eight to 10, sometimes 12 guys come on our air and, yeah. and make their announcement. We might have four or five this year. There's nobody left. Yeah. And, and look, I, we could sit here for an hour and discuss, college football and some of the issues that we have to face right now yeah. and, and kind of moving it forward. I think near the top of that list is the change in calendar. I think this calendar is awful because I'm dealing with coaches. Now you're dealing with coaches. Now sure. we're trying to prep for bowl games, but they're like, man, I, I got signing day. I got to go recruit. So now yeah. you've got to yeah. go recruit signing day portal prep for a bowl game. And then you have to have kids make decisions that they might not be ready to make on December 20th. Because like you said, if you mess around 
Yeah. Charlie's gone. It's, yeah, I mean, you're, I you're, yeah. You're 100% correct. I've got a bowl game, Matt. Um, Well, multiple. I got one, you know, after Christmas and around New Year's. But I've got the famous Toastery Bowl on Monday. Signing day is Wednesday. All right. I was having this conversation with with Tyson Helton um, and and Ricky Ronnie yesterday on our our coaches' calls. At at ODU right now, Old Dominion, they have coaches staying behind because they're having an official visit this weekend. Yeah. And the other half of the coaching staffs come to Charlotte. And then the other rest of those coaches will come to Charlotte too. Western Kentucky is doing the same thing. Western Kentucky made a decision where now, because if you jump in the portal, you're allowed to still play in the bowl game if your coach will let you. And Western Kentucky's doing that. And they're going to have a bunch of guys that are in the portal and playing in the game on Monday afternoon. I mean, that's unfathomable to me. Like I, I, I scratch my head at that. I'm like, holy smokes, you got to be kidding me. But you're right. The calendar. Here's my thing on the, the early transfer portal period. Nobody wants to say this, but this is reality. Unless if you've been tampered with, which the good ones have all been tampered with, you know where you're going and you have a spot to go. If you haven't been tampered with and you jump into the transfer portal, you don't need 30 freaking days, man. You're going to know what your market value is almost immediately because your phone's either going to ring or it's not. Right. So let's clean that thing up and shorten that thing up and get it done before we ever embark on this first signing period so the coaches can at least know who's on their roster and who's not. Yeah. Either in or you're out, right? But we're given it was 45 days. They reduced it to 30, but I think they could reduce it to two weeks, 10 days. You're going to know. You're going to know. And, and so those coaches are every single day. And I'm doing the same thing in my office. Every single day we're looking, all right, who went into the portal? What's their value? What type of projection would we give them? We get that out of the way. And then the, the signing, I think personally, we could go back to one signing period or, or back the signing period up to late January and then like March 1st or something. And, and, and let everything, let the Bulls, let practice, let the transfer portal clean itself up and then focus on one thing at a time. Because the, and here's the deal. And I love that idea with, especially with, with backing the signing day up. Cause the, the thing with the portal is you can't, you can back it up a little bit, but some of these guys that transfer have to get into the school for the start of the Correct. spring semester. Mid years. So, yep. Yeah. So there, there, there's, there's a window that they have to hit, but the, this shouldn't be it. I mean, you should be able to, because the, between the bowl game, I'm, I'm looking at rosters. I'm like, was well, this kid playing? Is that kid? It, look, exactly. It's a, it's a mess. But there's, I, mess. there's a, there's enough muscular brains in our sport to get this figured out. Hey man, this was great. I want to do this again. Probably okay. February or March, because I want to recap everything that happened, because then we should see some of yeah. the dust settle. You bet, man. Love to do it, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. The great Tom Luganville here on the Matt Perry Show, ESPN College Football YouTube channel.